Well, good morning to you. My name's Martin. If I had a chance to say hi to you, welcome to Woodside Church. Fantastic to be together today, isn't it? To enjoy God's presence, to celebrate all he is to us. And uh, we've got some things we want to talk about this morning. This is our Vision Sunday. We tend to do this. Uh, often we do this once a year, actually. We have a chance to have a pause, uh, reflect on all that God is doing amongst us, but also ask the questions of where is God taking us next? Uh, we believe God speaks prophetically to his church. We stand on God's word, but we also know uh, God's spirit speaks to us. We align the prophetic with God's word. That's our reference point. And then when we settle on what we feel God is saying to us, we go. Amen? That's what we're about as a people. We're following him. We're dedicated to him. He's the one. Jesus is the one who's changed our lives, who set us on a path that we have been blown away by. Uh, he is the faithful one as we've been singing, uh, as we've worshipped together. Uh, but actually, we did have a Vision Sunday in the autumn. Uh, but there is so much happening uh, and so many important steps on our, on our current part of our journey, we felt it necessary to throw in an extra one. Is that all right? See, it's like a double bubble today, okay? An extra Vision Sunday this year. Aren't we lucky? Now, uh, many of you will know that we feel God has spoken clearly to us about uh, multiplying, and uh, particularly we feel God has spoken to us about being one church, yes, but having two sites, with three meetings. I almost saw some of you mouth that as I said it, which is great encouragement. You may have been saying something else to your person next to you, but I'm believing that you were saying one church, two sites, with three meetings. But actually also we feel God has said to us that we are to multiply who we are. You know, any family has family traits. Uh, and numbers of people come up to me from time to time and say, oh, you didn't have to remind me of your dad. You know, and I think that's a compliment. I think that's a compliment, Dad. I, uh, it's funny, I, I was talking to Debs, who was in the band this morning, and uh, this week uh, I, I mentioned, she did something. She turned and looked at me and said something, and I said to her, oh, you don't have to look like your mum. <laughs> Which made me feel old. I don't know, I made Debs feel great, obviously, because Christine is here. So we're, there's family traits, there's things that God said to us about, this is who you are, Woodside Church. We want to multiply those things. We've, we've phrased those, uh, we've mentioned them, we're not going into detail today, but things have been full of grace and full of truth, which you know is probably one of my favourites. Uh, it's about being a place where anyone can come. Come as you are, we're full of grace. We also know truth that transforms life. We're going to hold those two things together. It's... Uh, it's exciting. I think we're an exciting time as a family together. And I want to look at this theme of multiplication and look at one of the, I think, one of the most uh, remarkable and one of the most exciting moments in the New Testament. Uh, there's many exciting moments. But for me, this, this one has always gripped me. It's a, it's a time when uh, uh, the group of people following Jesus demonstrate incredible courage and faith and I think there's much we can learn from them and be inspired by. But they also, as well as being encouraged by their faith, we see greater definition, greater definition on the mission that Jesus has called us to be a part of. So, so we get encouragement, but also we get some clarity on what God is calling them, but actually also calling us to do. The verses I want to look at today are... Uh, is about the rank and file getting caught up in mission. It's about the everyone. 
It's not a Churchillian moment. Winston Churchill, you know, you remember the famous phrase, never in the field of human conflict. I'm not sure if that was David Devonish or, 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 or Winston Churchill, actually. Ah, maybe that, okay. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. That was, of course, referring to the RAF fighter pilots in the Battle of Britain. But it's not about the so few. What we're going to look at is the so many, the many getting caught, the rank and file. We're going to look at what is known as the sending of the 72. And maybe for some of you, very familiar. The interesting of the sending of the 72, as recorded in Luke, is it came just a chapter after Jesus had sent the 12, sent the 12 disciples. And so quite soon after the account that Luke describes, you have the sending of the 72 after the sending of the 12. The interesting thing about the 12 is because we know the 12. We actually know all their names. They're listed. We've got an understanding of their story. We, We know more about them probably than many others in the New Testament. But then we come to the 72 and we... We don't know who they are. Someone described them as the 72 nobodies, which isn't very encouraging. But it's the fact that, you know, these are, this is the many. This is not those that spent three years with Jesus as the 12 disciples, although clearly they have been around Jesus for some, some while. And uh, I want to look at some of these verses and see what they might say to us. So Luke 10, be on the screen behind. Uh, let's begin to get into this story. Luke writes this. Luke, one of the early followers of Jesus, wrote this account. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest Field. Now, the time that Jesus lived, uh, the sort of agricultural language would have been very familiar. So when Jesus is talking about a harvest, he's using that imagery to describe a harvest of people, uh, as it were. There, there's, there's, there's a reaping of a harvest that, that Jesus has for his followers. And so he uses this agricultural language. The interesting thing is it begins with, after this... So we must ask ourselves, after what? What was it that happened just prior to this moment for Luke to write, well, after this, the Lord appointed 72. And I don't think Luke is particularly referring to the chapter before, but he's probably referring to what happened just before those, this moment. And uh, we don't have time to read it in detail now. But the few verses before, and please read it when you get home, there's an encounter when Jesus meets a few of those in the crowd that were saying, Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to be with you. We want to go where you are going. In fact, one of them said, I will follow you wherever you go. This is what happened. This is the after after this. But actually then what Jesus did is he spelt out to them what it meant to follow him. He said, you've got to do this. You've got to be focused on this. This is important. You've got to make sure this is priority. And there was, I think there was three interactions and each one of the people that said, I will follow you wherever you go, actually said, I can't do that. That's too much. That's too much. And Jesus said these words, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Again, using agricultural language. No one who puts their hand to the plough, and I read up about ploughing for this moment, and I'm told you you used to put a hand on the plough, left hand on the plough, and then your right hand will be guiding the the oxen. And it's the imagery that Jesus is saying is if you're pushing the plough, if you're guiding the plough, no one looks back. Because if you do that, you lose direction and you lose focus and then you get a, a wonky line, I guess. I don't know if that's the gravy that, that James is referring to. But, you know, there's, there's a Jesus saying, focus, focus, focus. But they couldn't do that. They, uh, they thought, no, 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 we can't, we, wanna, we, we, we can't commit to that. And so when we come to the sending of the 72, we actually come and there's a contrast that, that is painted to us. There's those that said, yes. We go, but there's also those just previously that Luke says, well, after this, after those that, that couldn't and wouldn't, didn't follow, didn't seek the kingdom first, didn't follow Jesus with their whole heart, their whole soul, their whole self. In fact, Jesus, there was disappointment prior to this. So there was setback. But then we moved to a transition where actually there's many, we discover, that are willing to say yes and go with what Jesus was calling them to do. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where they were about to go. Jesus formed them into teams, didn't he? Two by two. And he sent them, many would call these apostolic teams. Team, apostolic means to be sent with a purpose. There was big vision big sense of purpose built into these followers that we know as the 72 or the 36 teams. Wherever they were to go, they were to prepare the way for Jesus because Jesus was coming to those places, to those villages. There's, there's a, this is a big moment in those early followers. It's interesting. I, I love this moment. I, I was... Uh, when, when vision comes and people are gripped by it and they grow into it, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And that's what we see in these verses. It reminds me of a story I heard uh, that I've been told on good authority that the, a koi carp and a goldfish are actually the same type of fish. Do you believe me? Someone said it all depends on the size of the bowl you place it in, how big it's going to grow. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I think there is some truth in that for fish. The bigger the bowl, the bigger the setting, the bigger the environment you place fish in, the bigger they will grow. Would you know that's the same with people? The bigger the environment we find ourselves in, the bigger the vision, the bigger we grow. Do you know, you can have a really big church with a small vision and people don't grow. You can have a really small group of people just two, or maybe 36 small groups. But the vision is so expansive that people grow into that. And that's what we see in these verses. Great news is coming to these places that they go to because Jesus is going into those places. The same would be said to us. Great news is in our neighbourhoods, in our streets, in our context, in our place of work, on the playground where we go on a Monday morning when we drop our kids off, in the west of the town, in the east of the town, great news is coming to those places because you go there. Do you think like that? 
great news because we've arrived. Do you know, uh, great news is coming to Great Denham and Kempston Rural and Bromham and Biddenham and that area there because we're going there. Now, please hear me correctly. I, I, there's other great churches in those areas. And it's not like we're the only thing that God's doing. But when we go, because we are believers and we, we, we proclaim that Jesus is coming into these settings, that's the model that it comes out of the 72. The interesting thing is we've had some tremendous encouragement for the other, from the other churches in the area, which really helps me to, to keep focus, but also to know these guys are cheering us on. So Stephen Thompson from Bromham Baptist Church, when Tim spoke to him a short while ago and said, look, this is what we feel God is saying to us. We weren't sure how he would respond. You know, we're really, you could say it's his patch. It's his parish or whatever you would describe it. And Stephen replied, said, this is great news. He said, you know, when you start your first Sunday morning, can I come along? Can I come and say, look, we are so for this? Isn't that wonderful? I also heard from... I was talking to Richard Green, a good friend of mine who leads All Nations Church. They have a a site in the north and the south of the town. And they've talked for a number of years about having a a site in the west, something they've probably two, if not more, years. They've talked about that's the next thing for us. And when they heard that that we were feeling God leading us in that way, they stepped back as a team and reflected on their plans. And he told me, Richard, last week, he told me that they've decided to pull back from their plans to plant a site in the west because they want to create space for Woodside Church and all that God is saying to us. He said to me, he said, we want to be a blessing to you. We want you to succeed. We're saying, come on, Woodside, you go for it. I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible. And so as we go into these other places, we go with those that are cheering us on. I heard, um, reminded actually of a a great story. I, I love my basketball some of you will know, when I was at school, we used to go to Marquee. Do we still call it Marquee? Uh, Mark Rutherford School. I played basketball a lot there. I love, love basketball. Uh, and uh, my hero in basketball is a guy called Michael Jordan. Uh, and I think we've got a photograph for him, if you don't know Michael Jordan. Uh, he is probably, actually everyone says this, he is the best basketball player there has ever been. He's like Pelé. Maradona and Messi all combined, if, you, if that helps you. You don't have to like basketball to understand this, this story. Uh, I was watching a game in 1997 uh, between the Chicago Bulls, who Michael Jordan plays for, and the Utah Jazz. The Americans know how to name their teams, don't they? Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls. And it was their FA Cup final. In fact, it was their, the finals of, their bas- of the NBA, of the basketball. And uh, in fact, they do best of seven games. This was the final game. It was three all in, 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 in matches. And they were playing their final game. It was 86 points each with 25 seconds to go. I'm watching this game and Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan's played for many other teams before. And he's taken them all to the finals and they've all won. And he's a remarkable player. And then with 25 seconds to go, they had a timeout. And because it's America, you know, TV cameras come over and you can hear what the players are saying to each other. And Michael Jordan turns to a guy called Steve Kerr. And in fact, if you go to the next screen, you'll see this interaction. That's Michael Jordan on the left with his game face on. And he's talking with Steve Kerr to his left. Everyone thinks that Michael Jordan is going to make this play. 
fact, the commentator said, said, this is Michael Jordan time. I listened to it again this week. And Michael Jordan turns to Steve Kerr and says, Steve, I think they're going to double team me, which means they're going to put two players on me. He said, if they do that, the ball's coming to you. Are you ready for that? And Steve Kerr turned to him and said, Michael, if that happens, I'm ready. And so you have this moment. They go back on the court. The seconds are counting down. Michael Jordan gets the ball. The commentator says, it's Michael Jordan time. And he's moving. He's beating players. And he takes it. They double team him. He jumps up. And suddenly, the ball goes to his right. Steve Kerr grabs that ball. And the clock's going down. And he shoots that basket. In it goes. And the Chicago Bulls win the match. It's a remarkable moment. It's gone down in American sport folklore history as one of those moments. This is why I tell you this story. I think we've been given the ball. I really do. I feel there's a moment for us, Woodside, to grab hold of the ball that Jesus has given us and to take that shot and to shoot that basket. We have other churches, other brothers and sisters that are cheering us on, saying, we want you to be blessed. We're going to step back. We're going to allow the ball to go to you. It's a moment. It's a moment. It's a moment for us not to be those that say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Oh, I can't do that. It's a moment for us to be like the 72 and says, okay, this is big vision. This is a big moment. But I'm going to grab that ball. And I'll shoot that basket, and we're going to score those points. Hallelujah. So we're called to multiply. Let me give you some ideas of what multiplication means for us. There's many layers. It's not just about two sites and three meetings. That's one application. To achieve that, we've got to do many things together. We've got to raise up and multiply more and more leaders. Small group leaders, community group leaders, worship leaders, kids group leaders, youth leaders, Leaders on welcome teams, leading on coffee teams. There's, there's, a, there's space to be, that's being created. We need new musicians. We need new people in different teams, new coffee servers. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, even today, I think there's, there's gaps in what we're seeking to do with two meetings. But when we go to a third, clearly there's a, there's a whole ream of gaps that are going to be uh, generated in the east as we multiply into the west we also have some challenges on our finances in fact today we would like to give everyone a copy of a new booklet that we produced just to explain in a bit more detail about the financial challenge and we have gift days coming up on the 4th and the 11th of march uh, that we want you to pray about and consider and i'll give you a few headlines now but full details are in the booklet and in fact we've uh, we've, to the best of our ability, we've named envelopes and a booklet for each family is in those envelopes. So please look in the small hall and you can take your envelope. Forgive us if we haven't put your name there because we weren't sure about your address or there were the administrative uh, possibilities weren't there. So there are spare copies of the, of the book. We'd like everyone to take home a booklet, whether there's an envelope for you or not. But we think we've covered that well. Let me give you a few uh, indicators on what before we need to do. We need to see an increase in our regular giving. Our giving has gone down over the last 12 months, which is ironic because we've actually grown numerically by about 
I understand, you know, I've come to you knowing the challenges financially for many in this room. Uh, but, but we do need to see, uh, can you just take that slide off a minute? I'm not hiding it from you, I just need to explain it. Uh, we also need to see our one-off gifts uh, raised for some of the expenses involved in uh, planting in the West. But also we want to strengthen some of the things we want to do in the East. So there's two areas. There's our increase in our regular giving and there's some one-off gifts. Sorry, let's please show the next slide. So in the West, we're uh, looking to uh, do by PA, uh, we need to buy toys, we need to do publicity, we even do need another set of communion cups. I know that's small fry, as it were, but there's many things that we need to multiply. The venue itself costs £11,000 just to hire on a Sunday morning, so it will cost a lot more than that as we get into it. There's things we want to do in the East as well, which I'll come to in a moment, but let me give you some of the totals. So for our increase in regular giving, this year we'd like to see something like £2,250 increase in our regular giving every month and about £40,000 in one-off gifts uh, gathered from the 4th and the 11th of March. We are presenting that we want to try and hit the challenge in two steps. So 2019, the year after, we'd like to go for an increase of 1350 in our regular monthly giving and around £10,000 in one-off gifts. Just to explain the one-off gifts, as I said, was going to be in the West, for the West and the East. Some of the things we want to do here, we want to improve uh, how we help people who struggle to be in the main hall for the whole of the meeting, which we're finding there are a number now. And uh, so with the principle of come as you are, for some, staying in, a, in the meeting this long is, is something they struggle with. Just to get into the building is, is, is a real challenge to some. Trust, trust me, I know the stories. And so we want to be a place where wherever you are on your journey, you feel that you can connect. So very practically, we're going to video what we do uh, in the main hall and relay it into the small hall. And Richard Clements with a small team is going to serve people, connect with people, help people who have just made the effort to get in the building. And then we'll help them on their journey. Of course, the goal is that they come in here and they feel connected and they feel part of this. We want to help them in that process. We also practically want to put a good display sign. Numbers of people said, why don't we tell the community what we're doing here? We want to do that clearly and well. And there's other practical things and fences may need doing as well. So there's some things we want to do to improve this, plus all the many things that we need to do in the west of the town. I'm hoping that it doesn't take us two steps to achieve this, if I'm honest. I want us to catch that ball and take that shot. But we've, pre we've presented it in that way because that will still work for us if that's where we end up. Okay, moving on. Verse 2 continues like this. He told them, Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you. We've talked already, Adam's mentioned about our prayer week. Uh, we really want to put an emphasis, we have felt led to put an emphasis on prayer this year. The amazing thing about this moment is the prayers become the answer to their prayers. Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest for workers, and then he says, go, I'm sending you. There's something about when we connect with God in prayer that faith comes we're reminded that God is the faithful one. Reminded that in him we can do anything. 
We're reminded, as Tim led us, that we may feel ordinary, but we follow an extraordinary God. So we really want to gather together, to pray together. Please be encouraged to come to different parts of that week. I particularly encourage you to come to the one where we've got a guy called Phil Varley from London talking about a story of King's Church in London that's gone from 200 to 1,500 people over three sites with seven meetings every Sunday morning uh, over about 10 years. It's a remarkable story. I want us to be inspired by what God can do. And uh, obviously our context is different, but actually there's much that we can be involved in, I believe. And then... How long have we got? We've got a little bit of time. I wanted to just go th- ahead in these verses a little bit further because Jesus doesn't just leave it in that envisioning moment or evening a time to, to pray into the vision. He then starts to communicate some specifics of how God works on mission, how God works in relationships, how God helps people to come into his family. And it's incredibly helpful So the verses continue and Jesus says, go, I'm sending you. Then he says, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves, which doesn't sound very inspiring to me. It's not the the best motivational speech I've ever heard. But there's a cost involved, isn't there? We know that. But then he continues and says, keep focused. Don't get distracted on your journey. And then he goes into a description of using phrases like a a man of peace and a... if your peace rests on someone. And often people have got a bit confused over what those verses mean and how they apply to our setting. I'd just like to read those and then just explain to you how helpful I've found those verses in, for my walk with God and how God works in people's lives. Let me just read verse 5 to 9 to you. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. This is all about how God works in people's relationships and how Jesus is instructing the 72 and us to recognize when God is moving in someone's life. The key words to me are words of find and stay. We're to find a person of peace and we're to stay with them. So we're called to love everyone, aren't we? We're called to to, to love the person in front of us. We're called to, to be Jesus to everyone we meet. But when we do that, there are moments when we discover that Jesus is working particularly in someone's life. And Jesus encourages us to stay with that person, to find that person and to stay with them. You see, a person of peace is someone who's open to you and open to God. He may be only open to you, not yet open to God. There may be a connection that you make with someone. You think, we're just connecting on a level here. Sometimes people may open up to you. May, may, you may find there's a, there's a warmth, there's a, a rapport that comes. Sometimes it is because they're making noises and saying things that you realize they're open to spiritual things. It's similar to when Jesus said, I can only do what I see the Father doing. We're thinking, well, God, what are you doing in those people's lives? 
Let me give you some examples. When Dawn and I were in St. Nitz, which is a few years ago now, we had a, a couple move in next door to us. Our, our gardens sort of met each other in the back. Uh, they were called Paul and Sean, And they were both Christians. Both come from another church, and they'd moved into the air, and they were looking for a church. And they actually came to on a Sunday. We met them on a Sunday before we realised that we were neighbours. Uh, that was a funny conversation. So where do you live? We live there. We live there as well. well you know, and in the end, we realised that we could throw stones at each other in our gardens. And, but we, we became good friends with Paul and Sean. The interesting thing is, is, is through our relationships with Paul and Sean, many people were saved and many people came to be part of the church. So uh, Sean had a friend called Karen. And uh, Karen came to a meeting once, actually in Luton. I remember meeting Karen in Luton with Sean. It was like a, 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 a prophetic person to come to Luton. So she was really open to spiritual things. Karen had a faith. She'd grown up in church. She used to tell me that she, could, she felt God was speaking to her. And uh, she used to describe some things that God was saying. And I think she was getting real revelation. She's fascinating. But she, she wasn't where we were in terms of giving her life to Christ and understanding what that meant. And this went on for a while to a point where, where I remember sitting down with Karen and we had a very deep conversation about you know, how could God sacrifice his only son and all what that meant. I could never do that for my son, she said. And so we tried to explain and she got it. She thought, wow, what a, what a thing to do. And uh, some of you know Karen. It's Karen Kircher who goes to King's Arms. Uh, and uh, Karen got wonderfully saved. Uh, and then I got to know her husband who didn't get saved but I played golf with him for a while. Sean also had uh, friends across the road called Paul and Tess. Tess started coming to church. She got saved. Her husband Paul was a policeman in, in the Met. He never got saved, but I remember praying for his knee, which didn't get healed. But he was, so, uh, he was so grateful for the compassion and the care that we showed on him. So Tess got saved. We also, Sean's dad, a guy called Irvin, who actually grew up, uh, was, was a Jew, was born in a Jewish family, grew up. Uh, wanted nothing to do with religion and in the latter part of his days he began asking questions and I did a one-on-one alpha course with Irvin and he got wonderfully saved Uh, he soon he died soon after that actually uh, sadly but at his funeral uh, which was full of Jews uh, we quoted from the Old Testament and we preached Jesus but we never mentioned his name through the whole funeral we didn't want to offend people but Irving knew Jesus. And uh, there was one moment when we said the, the final prayer. And uh, you know you normally say at the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. And, and someone said, in, amen. You know, it, was like, <laughs> it just saved the moment. We wanted to be respectful, but Irving wonderfully saved. Another story. This is more closer to home. Let me talk about a couple called Rob and Helen. I think we got a lovely photograph of them. There you go. Do you recognize these people maybe? I think they're in the room somewhere. There you go. Looking good. That's how they look every Sunday morning, right? <laughs> well, let me just briefly say, this is how God has worked in their lives. Uh, 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 Helen, many years ago, went to Stonely, uh, heard David Devonish speak, and then now living locally, heard that David was speaking last year on a Sunday evening, speaking on Daniel, and so invited Rob to come with him. Rob wasn't a Christian, but her David was so good, it was worth, it was worth the, 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 uh, the invite. And uh, they came to that evening. Sunday mornings were difficult at that time. And we met very briefly on that evening. But then 
we didn't see them, didn't connect, and obviously Sundays were difficult, I know, because of work situation. Then some months later, I went to Clark's in um, the Interchange Park, and who did I bump into? Helen, who I bought a lovely pair of shoes from. Thank you very much. Still working, still, still very nice. And Helen and I recognized each other. Helen recognized me first, and then we started talking. And then soon after, so I'm not sure if it was the, next, the following day or a few weeks later, but both Helen, or Helen came or Helen and Rob came, and uh, they then joined with um, Penny and Peter's community group, and both of them really got involved in the community life. And through that, that connection, through Helen's connection, Rob wonderfully recently got saved. And for those of you that battle through the snow, you would have seen Rob get baptized just before Christmas. Praise God. But that's just the beginning of the story. Because Jesus says, find a man of peace and a woman of peace and stay with them. Stay with the relationships because God is working in their lives. So often we go on to the next person. I have story after story after story that I don't have time for, how I've seen God work through relationships like that. So to bring things to a close. The vision that we feel God has given us is to multiply. And this is a vision that is throughout Scripture. And the sending of the 72 is a great example of the many getting caught up on the mission. We are to be those that announce that Jesus is coming wherever we go. We want to do something wonderful in the West, but you know we want to do some wonderful things in the East as well. This isn't just about the West. This is about one church with two sides, which is why the gift day is also strengthening what we're doing here. We see there's many gaps that will emerge and are emerging. I want to encourage you to ask God, what's my part in this incredible story? Allow God to grow you in the midst of this expanding vision. That we be a people that rise together and say, here I am, Lord, send us. We want to be those, I believe, that, you know, as the Michael Jordan passes the ball, that we grab hold of it together and we take that shot. Because I think God has some great things for us if we do that together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand, shall we, to close. Father, we thank you that you have saved us. That you have revealed yourself to us. I thank you that we can sing and worship of a faithful God. A one who is always with us. Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us as we move forward together in this exciting moment. Uh, Lord, we pray tonight as those who are interested in the West go and gather to the prayer meeting. Lord, we pray that you continue to bless those that gather. Lord, I thank you that I hear that already 30 people have said, I'm in this, count me in. Uh, and uh, many others are gathering to the prayer meeting. Lord, I pray that you would, you would continue to bless that work. But Lord, we pray for what you're doing in the East as well. Lord, we want to say, count me in here as well. Lord, we want to, Lord, we want to, want to be uh, uh, involved in your work right across Bedford. So Lord, I pray you would lead us. Lord, even as we contemplate and we pray about the gift days coming up, Lord, would you lead us in that? Uh, and Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, would you provide in all that we need? Uh, and all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Guys, God bless you. And see you tonight or next week. Thank you so much.